guys. <laughs> Where in Rima, 7 till 9, News Talk 550, KTSA, and FM 1071. And that's when you know it's a slow news day when Jim Ryan is doing that kind of story. <laughs> yeah, oh, my God. <laughs> Calling 911. Yeah. Oh God! It's a great. Well, haven't we all? <laughs> it's a it's a great story, and Jim does it. it it's a great piece. Well, because Jim, Jim is a you know he's the best. Yeah, I mean, he just does it straight best, up. Man. You know, <laughs> I met That's him at funny. a very un, a very very unfortunate circumstances when he when he had to come cover Sutherland Springs. That's right. When, but we had yeah. been talking yeah. for decades. Yeah. And uh, he's only about six nine and about one hundred and fifty pounds. And, wow! And if he turns sideways, Sean, you—the only way you can pick him out is he has a big old Adam's apple. The rest of him is just a—he's a weed. He's a weed. <laughs> he's a weed with an Adam's apple. Yeah, he's like wow. that tall. He has to duck to come in a room, and weighs <laughs> weighs nothing. So, all right. So, how are you this morning? Happy Friday. Yeah, it's Friday, man. Thank you, Jesus. It's Friday. Happy damn Friday. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing great. I, I got I got those autos, man, and I'm out. Pop smoke, get it, get me out of here on the motorcycle. I even rode it in this morning, so I wouldn't have to go home, you know. So when you're done, you're just hopping on the bike and you're just taking a ride. <laughs> yeah, I may be in Cleveland by noon. You never know. Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> There's a vacation destination. Well, why not? What the heck? Rock and roll, baby. Hall of Fame. When, I know Niagara Falls was great, baby. But when are we yeah. doing Cleveland? Exactly right. Rock and roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> That's the place. Oh, that's right. Yeah. All right. In the, right. the baseball hall of fame there too? I think it is. No, no, it's Cooperstown. Know. Cooperstown. Yeah. All right. So uh I know what kind of day you had yesterday. You got to see Elvis, baby. Elvis. Oh, we we did we went and saw Elvis. We did. We had my daughter and I after as soon as we got off the air, we went to the first show. Yep. And and uh my daughter has discovered the joy of going to the first show because I used to do that when I was her age. Is I'd, I'd get up, Best time. I was working overnights, and I'd go to the local theater and see the first, you know, the first showing. And it's only ever just you and like two old ladies Correct. in the front row. That's right. And that's precisely what it was yesterday. It was my daughter and I and two old ladies in the front row. And it was a I really enjoyed it. It was a really good movie. I mean, uh, it was really Baz Lermany. <laughs> and you're not <laughs> you know? you're I mean, not an Elvis it, fan. We've said that. I'm not a huge again. Elvis fan, but I, and I did, but I and I don't really know a lot about about his life. I, I remember Elvis. I remember when it, it was announced over the radio that he was that he was dead. Yeah, like most people, he had always been in my life. I knew of him. He was the king of rock and roll, and I'd seen some of the specials on TV. But you're you're not like me. I mean, I followed every no. aspect of his life, studied him for years, knew about him, met him once, right. but all that. Kind of, you you weren't like that kind of guy. No, no, I, I've never been a huge. I like his gospel music more than anything else. Yep, great stuff. Uh, his rendition of Amazing Grace will make you cry. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really know a lot of a lot of the Tom Parker stuff. Uh, I didn't know anything about Tom Parker, so it was really kind of interesting watching that unfold. And Tom Hanks once again. I, I, Tom Hanks, he, he kind of gets stuck <laughs> sometimes just playing Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? In a lot of his movies, yep, Mister Nice Guy. You know, but this one he really. You know, was acting, and he was in a he was in a lot of prosthetics, but they they did an exceptional job, didn't they? On the prosthetics, yeah. you really couldn't. It didn't look fake or anything like that. And he really played kind of a pathetic character. And I I learned a lot about Tom Parker that I just I had no idea that he wasn't even Tom Parker that he was some other 
you know, some some guy from uh, I think Holland that uh, nobody really knows anything about to this well, day, I believe. And that's and, and yeah, I didn't want to <laughs> pop, you know, let the cat out of the bag, so to speak, when we were talking about the movie. But the movie's more about Tom Parker than it is about it's, it's a biography of Elvis. Oh yeah, it's Irish Elvis. There's no doubt about that. It's about Elvis's life. But really, the focus is is Tom Parker and his involvement with Elvis and how. He really messed him around, man. It was not. It was yeah, not pretty. Oh, big time. Because and, and here's the thing: that people don't realize, and we won't spend a lot of time on this because it's the movie's already been out, and most hopefully a lot of people have seen it. If you haven't, go see it because it's 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 really worth it. Um, Elvis was, and I, I mentioned this to you yesterday when we were texting about it. Elvis was a phenomenal talent. Uh, oh, yeah. Much more so than he gets credit for. A lot of people in, in our era now, a lot of people just remember the fat, drugged-out Elvis, uh, the jokes that Eddie Murphy makes about him and other you know comedians make about him. <laughs> right. They don't, really, they don't really give him his due as far as just how unbelievably talented, natural talent and ability uh, that Elvis truly was, and he he never really reached his full potential because of Tom Parker. That that was the weird. No, dichotomy. he didn't. Apparently, yeah, yeah. Because you figure what what would he have done? Who would he have been had he followed his own vision the whole way through? Exactly right. Exactly. You know what I mean? And didn't because I think the reason people focus on that part of Elvis is it's kind of like Howard Hughes it's the most recent image that we have of Elvis right you really have to kind of go back to it and I did know this before you have to go back to his early years to really see what he was doing and how revolutionary it was unbelievable you know and then you get sidetracked by a lot of crap with Tom, Tom Parker and who you know? I never realized really he kind of imprisoned him. He did in Las Vegas. That's exactly what it was. That's that is the word because Tom had a huge gambling addiction, and the right. only way he could pay for that gambling addiction is to imprison Elvis in in Las Vegas and to play the same gig four times a day, well into the night, in order for for the people at you know Baron von Hilton and those to say, okay, you can you know to to Tom, you can have an unlimited bank account here, and that's what it was. Wow. Elvis wanted to travel. He wanted to go international. He had a huge Huge fan base in Europe. The right. London, the London uh, uh, fan club was bigger than the one in the United States. Wow! And he wanted to go. He wanted to go there. He wanted to go to Japan. He, you know, there was a lot of traveling he wanted to do. And remember, Tom was the one who told him no on A Star Is Born. And that really, that moment, that and, and losing Priscilla were the two moments that turned him, well, to his ultimate right. demise. What actually happened to him in the end? You know. Well, it's it's very sad, you know. It's kind of the age-old st- story of how you know you you have to be careful. People with with talent have to be careful about who they trust. You know, I was talking to my daughter about that because she's going into show business. That's what what she wants to do. You know, and you really got to be careful about who you trust when it comes to somebody who's representing you, because they can make all the difference in the world, or they can completely screw you over. Hundred percent. You know, and it's usually you look at the you look at the talent of Elvis. You look at sort of the 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 weird mediocrity of a guy like Tom Parker and how he ended up having so much sway over him is is almost Shakespearean in its tragedy. It well, really and, and the, 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 the weird dichotomy about that is is that without Tom Parker, Elvis would not have reached the, where he was, you know, because right. Tom was the one who knew the carnival barker type atmosphere, right. created this whole circus around him and all that, but he also held him back from reaching his full potential. So it, it's really quite a story when you, when you start to dig into it, and I think Baz Luhrmann did a fantastic job uh, with how he presented the overall picture. I think he did great. Well, he he's a... Lerman's a real, he's a, you know, I mean, all directors are visual, but Lerman is really, really, really visual. And he, 
you know, his, it, it's almost like a dreamscape, the, the way he photographs his movies. One scene kind of flows into the other. Sure does. And then music, music ties it all together. Yep. And the thing about his movies is that they're just beautiful to look at. Whatever the storyline is, they're just beautiful movies. Because he, he really goes over the top with uh, cinematography <laughs> and the quick edits and, and all oh, that. Yeah. And, and plus, mixing old and modern music together, you know, is something he's also known for. And so it was a gorgeous movie. And I, I agree with Don Morgan that, you know, the, the actor didn't facially look a lot like Elvis, but he certainly had the acting and the gesticulation and the, the phrasing. All that was perfect. And there were times where you really did forget he wasn't Elvis. And well, I, I thought that was a real trick of acting. I think Kurt Russell looked, facially looked more like Elvis when he did it. Kurt Russell did. Right. But this guy, Austin, uh, whatever, he, he had more of the moves down and how Elvis oh, yeah. actually moved. You know, when Elvis is laying on the stage at that outdoor venue and he said, nobody's going to tell me who I'm going to be, you know, and he's, that actually happened. You can go watch wow. that on video. That That's a that's a real story. He, he did take a couple of liberties in a couple of areas. That was fine. It didn't change the story, didn't change the biography one little bit. Maybe even right. enhanced it a little bit. Uh, but Fats Domino looked nothing like Fats Domino. <laughs> well, he well, wasn't fat. <laughs> That's right. Fats Domino was fat. <laughs> Fats needed to be fat, man. Yeah, I got to pick up on that myself. You know? <laughs> wow. But it was, uh, yeah, it was a really feels a fine piece of art. I mean, it, it really, really was. Well and done. and uh, it, you know, a good movie takes you through a variety. It's like any good art; it takes you through a variety of emotions. Yeah, it did, and uh, and it certainly did that. I mean, the 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 relationship with his mother was heartbreaking, yeah, and beautiful at the same time. You know, yeah. so it was a uh, it was a very good movie. Yeah. We really enjoyed it. So uh, and, I'm, and 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 I got to repeat something you've been saying. You really that one you really do need to see on the big screen, yeah, with the big baby. sound system, <laughs> and all that. Yeah. You know, it's really kind of necessary to the full experience. It it makes it so, pop, doesn't it? The whole thing. It does. Yeah. Yeah. It really does. I'm gonna have to go back today. I'm gonna have to do that again today. Trey's <laughs> <laughs> gonna be we'll riding his bike back to the theater. <laughs> That's right. If you see my Harley parked in front of the theater, you'll know why. I right, got another dose of uh, of Elvis there right. for the weekend. We got to take a quick break. More wearing Rima coming up. Uh, we will talk about Mario Bowser. Too many brown people up here. We got to get rid of these brown people. Too many brown people. This is crazy. So we'll talk about her coming up here in a little bit. We'll talk about our friends over at BG Products for your vehicle, whatever it is you drive the bg product is absolutely perfect you know you may have a, a big truck this uh, diesel engine you may have a little car that's four-cylinder whatever bg has the product for you not only to increase the lubricity inside of the engine which helps the engine last longer and helps you avoid costly repairs breakdown wear and tear that kind of thing but they also have the BG44K, which is a fuel system uh, treatment. Now, this stuff that you buy off the shelf when you go into these stores and all that, most of it's watered-down junk. It really is. So I want you to use the best to the best. You deserve the best to the best. And anytime you have your oil changed, those guys there can add the BG product. And your friends over at BG have the, the best product for oil savings, oil lubricity, and, of course, for uh, gas savings as well. You'll be miles and dollars ahead when you use the BG products in your vehicle every time you have your oil changed. Find a shop to install them for you at BGFindAShop.com, and really, they're at every shop around town. So enjoy the BG products I know I have for decades. The AccuWeather forecast, it's going to be sunny. It's going to be hot. Highs of 100 to 102 all weekend and even hotter next week. And right now, 78 at KTSA. And FM 107.1. Okay, it's Ware and Rima. Trey Ware, Sean Rima here on KTSA. So 
it looks like our governor's plan is working to a T. Uh, <laughs> working out really <Yes>. well. <laughs> oh, my God. People on the East Coast, they live in a bubble. They have no idea what we're dealing with here with hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants every month and what it means to our emergency rooms, our schools, our hospitals, our businesses, and, uh, and just the, you know, the invasion. It, it, it truly is an invasion. And, uh, and what's happening here and what it's costing us. So Greg Abbott back in April said, well, I'm just going to offer bus rides yeah. if they want to go to D.C. <laughs> now, now, here's the thing. He's not – now, this is where Mario Bowser got it wrong. She's the super left-wing mayor of D.C. This is where she got it wrong. She th- And so does the mayor of New York. They think that Greg Abbott is bussing those people up there. No, they have a choice. He can't yeah. – he, he, you know, he can't, can't kidnap them. them. No, no. Right. right. So they've been showing up in D.C., and now they've had, they have 4,000 of them. Oh, my little heart breaks for you. <laughs> oh, God. My little heart breaks for you. I'm playing my little oh. violin for you. And she's like, I need the National Guard. There's too many brown people here. I need the National Guard. I need, we, gotta handle, we can't handle all this. We're going to collapse. <laughs> you have to understand. Right. Everybody has to understand, and you probably already know this, that, you know, because that's where I grew, I grew up in that part of the world. Some of the most arrogant and purely snobbish people live in that part of the country the people who are uh, part of the government who are bureaucrats or elected officials or, or just the, the whole culture surrounding the federal government spiraling outward from the district of columbia into northern virginia and maryland they are some of the most horribly arrogant and snobby people and it, i bet you when the first bus showed up they were probably saying oh oh the kitchen is right back there or or whose lawn are you here to do i mean they they claim that they love the little people and poc and all that and they these are the people that came up with latinx okay so busloads of these folks start showing up. Yeah, and they have absolutely no idea how to react. They, and Greg Abbott knew that when he started sending them out there. They are the people they, who think that they're nothing but tacos. They're tacos. The tacos. Uh, you know, they, they, have, they, they don't know what it's like to live in a border town and have your entire town overrun. They have no real-world concept of cartels and, and how that stuff operates. <sighs> They just don't. They're they, too far away from it. I know people who are my age yeah. that I grew up with that don't understand what's going on out here. They don't know what it's like to have making. them crash cars into schools, which happens every day. Right. And, and, uh, and you know, and, and when you bring this stuff up, they, they, just, they purely just don't believe you. No, they so, have no I mean, idea. They say it's, a Republic, it's a Republican lie. Oh, that's all a lie. Yeah. Well, you know, Greg Abbott is, uh, you know, giving them what for. And, yeah, you got towns here that are completely overrun, and they're, you know, pardon my language, bitching about 4,000 people in the District of Columbia. And so we get 150,000 per month to 200,000 right. a month. We've had a million come through Texas uh, right. since Joe Biden has been uh, president, and they're concerned about that. She's calling out the National Guard for 4,000. She called out the National right. Freaking Guard for 4,000. That's how and- stupid this is. And remember when when uh, Trump was talking about the National Guard in regards to the, oh, the yeah. George Floyd riots, oh, yeah. and everybody called him a fascist and oh, a yeah. Nazi, right? And that's when they started talking about defunding the police and stuff. Well, boy, howdy, she's quick to call the National Guard when he got four thousand migrants uh, I, roaming through the district. I came across and, a video and. and 
and slumming up uh, Georgetown. <laughs> I, I came across a video last night of Jim Acosta going after Donald Trump when he was president. Aren't oh. you just, aren't you besmirching migrants when you talk about them? You called it an invasion, Mr. President. He said, because it is. It's an invasion. That's it what I believe it is. And he said, yeah. I want the people to come. We have jobs for them. I want them to come, but they have to come according to our rules and our laws. That's all Trump ever said. And he was a Nazi. Yeah, well, yeah, that. that's what that's what Costa said, you know. And so now, I guess Bowser's the newest Nazi, right? She because she wants she wants to stop, man. She wants she's calling out the National Guard on these people. <laughs> what are they going to do? Get water she, tanks and start wa- hosing them down? Probably, hey, look, don't put it past him. <laughs> Remember, look, I mean, these, these are who these people are. I mean, uh, you know, that's re- they really have a disdain for ordinary people and what, for all their blather about dreamers and American values and all that crap. They're fine with that stuff as long as it's not on their of lawn. Of course. They're racist. <laughs> she's, she's a total racist. And, oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. This is an invasion of my city. And she's yeah, a, and, it is. And by, the way, <laughs> yeah, and by the way, she's a sanctuary city proponent. She's, she of pushes course. sanctuary cities. Well, honey, live it then. If you push for sanctuary cities, then it's time you live as a sanctuary city and accept those. But our infrastructure, it can't handle all these brown people that are up here it's going to collapse well good luck enjoy yourself but but that's what i'm telling you it's it's all this sanctimonious crap these these opinions are very easy to have until you are directly affected by it and that's what the brilliance of of abbott's move uh, uh proves because the guy in new york's going just as crazy yep uh you know and uh, and it's like well you guys are the biggest you're right the biggest proponents of the sanctuary city stuff crap well, here you go. Yeah. Look, I, I, I grew up. There, you will find more racism, and I, I believe this because I've been to a few other liberal cities as well. You will find more racism in a place like D.C. The, uh, and Maryland and Virginia and Delaware than you will ever find uh, in in a state like Texas. Oh, it's been known in, for especially, years, especially in a place like San Antonio. Yes, they yes. are. They, and and it's a it's a snobber. It's a snobbish sure kind it of is. racism. Oh, it's it's the it's the Cadillac driving liberal out in the uh, you know uh, suburban area, and as long as they don't have to come in contact with it, they're fine pushing yeah. it. But what the minute it's on, the minute they're there to do anything other than to cut their lawn, now we got a big problem problem baby and we got to call out the national guard and get rid of them well hey, look, you know what, what? whatever however many buses are running up there right now abbott ought to double the number i agree i because i think it's hilarious yeah you know Send and, more. And look, again those people are get, being given a choice and they want to live in dc so you know uh embrace them with open arms yeah. be the statue of freaking liberty and let them come on in right and start hanging out in your cafes and your restaurants. <laughs> Give us your tired, your poor, and everybody who go. comes across the border. All right, I want to tell you about Lifestyles Unlimited. Lifestyles Unlimited is the real estate mentor program that will help you get ready to retire in five years or less. Dale Walmsley and David Fisher and that whole team at Lifestyles Unlimited, they've got more than 30 years of experience in investing in real estate. So they've seen it all. They've done it all. They've done it the right way. They know how to build your business, how you can build your real estate business and start making streams of passive income that will last a lifetime, actually will outlast you as a financial legacy that you pass on to your children and your grandchildren and on through perpetuity. Your friends at Lifestyles Unlimited will teach you how to do this through Financial Freedom Livestream. 
Zoom.com seminars. Now, you can do it online. I did that in one weekend. It was awesome. Or you can go in person and be there and ask your questions directly of David and that great team and get the answers right now and start working the program and begin investing in both single-family and multifamily properties and start making money. But it starts with you logging on to the website. That's FinancialFreedomLivestream.com. And use my name as your promo code. That's WARE, W-A-R-E, FinancialFreedomLivestream.com. The promo code is WARE, W-A-R-E. When you All right, so 734 now. It's Ware and Rima at KTSA. I got a story for you, Mr. Rima, but you go first. What you got on your plate this morning? Well, I, I didn't watch the, the congressional baseball game. I don't know if you were able to last night, if that, if that's something they broadcast or not. But uh, uh, the Republicans beat the Democrats 10-0. to <laughs> And uh, as uh, she's running back uh, to the bench, Democratic Representative Linda Sanchez flips off the republican bullpen as she's uh th- this is a charity event for the boys and girls club okay they're, they're the whole purpose of the congressional baseball game is to bring both sides together to have a good time play some baseball it's not a it's not a huge comp i mean it is to them i guess a big competition but you're really there to raise money for kids and this chick you know has to give the middle finger to the republicans when she's running past the uh the bullpen you know, th- this is this is who they are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. You want a window? You want a little uh, a metaphor or an ex- not a metaphor? An example of who they genuinely are right now. It's all summed up in that middle finger at a charity event as she ran past the bullpen. That's who they are. And as I said earlier this morning, she wasn't joking. It was not like, you know, no. they, they do that around here in the morning with each other. You know, they, uh, well, we do. We flip each other yeah, off right, every morning. Right, That's yeah. right. But, uh, but she wasn't doing that. She was deadly no. serious. She meant it as a, you know what, you, and, uh, and, 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 and directly at the, at the Republicans. And as you said, it was, it's a charity thing. It's on television. It was. It was on Fox News. They carried it, you know, because it was a political thing. Right, and, and they just you know you got kids all over, but that's how classless Democrats are. They are completely <laughs> right. they have no Man. class, none whatsoever, none. Yeah, odd from California too, right? I mean, sure. you know that, that that's that's who they are. They they, they it's not about <clears throat> this this unity nah. and we, can we all just get along and love on each other? It has nothing. They hate your stinking guts if you don't agree with Name them. Name one Democrat with class. Um, that's what she got Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> She's not a Democrat anymore, apparently. I, Tulsi I Gabbard. To, Tulsi Gabbard. That's what blank on her name. The cute chick out of Hawaii. There yeah, you go. Tulsi Gabbard. That's about it. That's about yeah. it. That's about so it. you know, I that that was just really poor behavior, and and the fact is, she probably did it because she knew that the next day people like us would be talking about her. Because I've never heard of her before. I don't know who the hell she is. She's some congresswoman, some congress puke from California. Uh, and she looks like a pumpkin, frankly. And uh, I, you know, uh, she must be really uh, lonely and insecure in her life. And so this is how she gets some attention. Yeah. And you got it. Yeah. It's not Linda. It's not probably not the uh, the kind of attention you wanted. She probably thought people would be, and probably people on her own side are applauding her and saying, "Oh, good, for, good, you go, girl. Of you show them." 
Because they're all like that. Well, man. They're you, all like you that. You know, the Castro brothers pr- probably called her this morning and said, Great job. We're so proud well of you. Well done. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> well done, man. Ugh, okay. Barf. So this week, the Biden administration has been trying to change the definition of recession, right? Because oh, yes. we are in a recession in America now. Do You know, when you base it on the classic definition of two quarters and economic contraction, that, a re- that is a recession. Now, it's been that way forever. Both Republicans and Democrats have stuck by that definition. In fact, I was just playing audio from Bill Clinton back in the 1990s, and Bill Clinton was saying back then, you know, the classic definition is we're in a recession when you have two consecutive quarters of contraction. They all said it. Joe Biden has said it in the past. They've all said it in the past, but now that it's the Biden administration, now we have to change the definition, and we have to throw in all these other metrics, and all these other things have to come into play, and then, uh, we're not really in a recession, even though we have you know, the classic definition of it going on. Here's the point to this story, however. You're going to love this. Um, I, I have made no bones about it. I buy a lot of books online as far as uh, you know, digital copies of books that if a book is going to live with me forever or if it's something where the information in the book has to stay and never be changed then i buy hard copies of books other than that you know if it's just something i'm reading for light reading or whatever i'll buy the digital copy for the convenience sake i have it with me wherever i go um anything that's digital can be changed and will be changed so in this instance wikipedia which, you know, Wikipedia is an open source deal. A lot of people can go on there and edit. So I wouldn't take Wikipedia, you know, to the nth degree as far as being really the, the be-all, end-all in information. But it, it can be pretty helpful. They went into Wikipedia and changed the definition <laughs> of recession. And of then, Sean, then locked it out because it's open source you know you can go in there and make changes and edit and all that stuff then they locked it out where the new definition cannot be changed so their new definition has nothing to do with two quarters of of economic contraction here it is real quick in economics a recession is a business cycle contraction when there's a general decline in economic activity recessions generally occur when there is a widespread drop in spending and adverse demand shock this may be triggered by various events such as financial crisis and external trade shock and adverse supply shock, whatever. So basically what they did was they went into Wikipedia and changed it to be what this administration is now defining as a recession. It's just a warning to everybody that anything that is digital will be changed in an Orwellian style to fit the new thought, and, 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 and you are supposed to believe this and buy off on it, and future generations will. Well, yeah. I mean, if you want to go back to the Orwellian idea, you know, the the they would change up <clears throat> almost on a weekly basis who they're at war with. And when they would do that, uh, they would say, we have always been at war with this country. And the idea is that whatever the government tells you is the truth is the truth, even though your own mind might be telling you something different. So it's like saying, oh, no, this has always been the definition of a recession. I don't know what you're talking about. must be some kind of Republican plot, but it's always been this. And there's enough stupid people that will just go, okay, (laughs) and and not question it. And uh, I think the only difference between the Orwellian nightmare and, and what's going on here and now is that we're willingly walking into this stuff. 
the the morons are willingly walking into this kind of stuff where history is rewritten almost on a daily basis. Look, they did that with that with that Ruth Bader Ginsburg quote. Uh, I can't it's, I can't remember off the top of my head what it was, but they had actually went in to uh, some website or some source uh, and and changed the wording of what Ruth Bader Ginsburg said to make it fit whatever narrative they needed for that moment. So this is something they're obviously capable of, and I bet you we don't even know to what extent this is going on. Because we're seeing the things that happen as they happen. So, you know, we're all going, well, that's not the definition of a recession. We it's just uh, 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 As of two weeks ago, it was a completely different de- definition about the two quarters and, and uh, you know, a loss in the... In the domestic, uh, uh, DP, uh, you know, the domestic product as we go through two quarters, that's how you define a recession. That's how we've done it for fifty years. But all of a sudden, no, we've never done it that way. This is what a recession is, and it's creepy. It's really freaking creepy. Well, here's the deal: they're doing that. They're doing that with a lot of stuff. You know, they really basically want you to forget everything Donald Trump ever did as well. So, you know, first of all, you know, young people rely on Wikipedia more so than the Encyclopedia oh, God, Britannica yeah. or Merriam-Webster or whatever. It's Wikipedia, Wikipedia. So they're not even going to know what the classic definition right. of a recession is going forward because it's been redefined on their site where they go for their information, which happens to be Wikipedia. So that's what, you know, that's, that's the one they're going to go with in the future. And that's not to say... Sean, that, that stuff doesn't change over time and has to be changed formally. Like the Encyclopedia Britannica, the reason you got new ones every year, in science, in medicine, we were making discoveries, we were finding out stuff that was new, we had to add or change things in the encyclopedia when we had the hard copies, but not something like this. This is not a scientific discovery or something that's new or some archaeological dig that we were doing. It was nothing, that's nothing like this. This is a classic economic fact that define it's a definition of ec- of economics and uh, and that doesn't change <laughs> that's, that's that's not a well, that's not a new thing it doesn't change so there's no reason it, to change it it's like math i mean science and science is evolving science you get new information culture philosophy things like that you get new information but when it comes to pure math and economics, there's no new math you're going to suddenly discover. There's no new economics that you're suddenly going to discover nope. that's going to change the model. Nope. You know, it's pretty static in, in what it is. Uh, and But again, when you have enough stupid people who are low info, they don't research stuff, uh, and they just sort of uh, accept whatever they're told, they're going to run with this, well, and the people who the people who rewrite this stuff are aware of that. Sure, of course they are. That's the why. That's why they do it. And watch how fast, how quickly they change it back. If Donald Trump wins again and he gets oh, two God. and he gets two quarters of, right. of contraction, they'll go they'll go in and change it right back. Okay, uh, quick break. More Wayne Ryman coming up. KTSA. <laughs> All right, it's 7.50. It's Ware and Rima, KTSA, Trey Ware, Sean Rima. We do this from 7 to 9, Monday through Friday. It is the 29th of July. What day is. is it, Mr. Rima? It's National Get Gnarly Day. So get gnarly. You know, I've been saying that word for 40 years, and I still have no idea what it means. Well, I was just about to ask but you. today, <laughs> How do you I have get no gnarly? Idea. What do you do to get I, gnarly? I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> All right. I think I may have accidentally gotten gnarly a few times in the 80s, but well, I don't remember those nights. Well, so you I look know. gnarly, but I don't know what that means. So I don't either. Okay. I have no idea. It's National Cheese Sacrifice Day. Okay, sacrifice cheese. 
All right. Well, it means, I think, uh, that when you go to buy something healthy, instead of buying something healthy, buy a piece of cheese. Oh, okay. Maybe. Right. I don't know. Okay. Uh, National Chicken Wing Day. Don't oh, even start. Don't yeah. even. Don't even. I, I, I like boneless wings, and I don't care what anybody th- says about it. Okay. All right. National Chicken Wing Day. I like chicken wings. I do, too. But I also, I also like them boneless. Mm. And I know for some people that edges the nugget, that edges into nugget territory and gets away from wing territory. Pretty much. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You can get them at a McDonald's drive-thru all day long, man. They come in a four, and I, and I six, and, and 20 and, pounds. And I do. Okay. And I do. And you know what? There's more chicken in a nugget. Okay. okay. There's more, because there's like seven or eight chickens in a, in a nugget. Whereas okay. you're, only getting, you're, you're only getting the meat of one chicken in a wing. Okay. It's the bone that makes it taste good, though. I just want you to know. It's not the bone. That ma- All right. Um, it's also. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. See how you are. The bone Nash- is better. Bone in is better. Ask bone anybody. Better. They will Trace tell you. bone is better. Huh? What's that? Anybody will tell you bone in is better. If you're going to buy it like a ribeye, get the bone in because well, it's different. better. That's steak. That's a whole. And I don't like bone in my, in my steaks, to be honest with you. I don't like bones in my steak. I don't like bones. Okay. I don't like gnawing on bones. Right. <laughs> he he really was it's, not a caveman at one point. You know what I'm no, saying? No, I never have been. Okay, You're I'm not a great, a I'm, a great in, I'm a great indoorsman. Okay, <laughs> he camping. never came out of the cave, did he? No. <laughs> camping to me is sleeping on the couch. Okay, no, we've, we've been having this debate with him for years. Well, well, not, not that I, I pissed a... him off one day because oh, yeah. I, I said, you right. know, only girls eat boneless wings, and he just, only girls. He eat came boneless in. Wings. He was going to kill me. Yeah. He had that big you know forty-four. He could... whipped that big forty-four out, and he said, "You gonna say that again?" I said, "Sure." Only girls <laughs> eat boneless wings. And that's not true. <laughs> It's not true that only girls eat boneless wings. Right. I'm just saying right. I, I'm an evolved, civilized man. Oh, yes, yeah, sure, sure you are. I, That's I, what I we think of gnaw. when we think of evolved, uh, civilized, evolved we think civilized of you. man. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to gnaw on some dead animal's bone. Who man. is this guy I'm talking to? I don't want to <laughs> gnaw on somebody's bone. <laughs> okay. Sean, right. Sean Rymo, poet, radio talk show host. Well-known osteophobe. Yeah, right. That's right. Okay. Osteophobe. I, I have a, I have a, fo- a bone phobia. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm bone phobic. <laughs> <laughs> you really are. You really are. He's a bonophobe. Yeah. I'm a bonophobe. <laughs> you got to be real careful the way you say that. Yeah. Keep, keep your bones away from him, I'll tell you <laughs> that. Keep your bone away from That's me. That's right. I'm yeah. bone All right, so what other, what other stuff is on it today? It's National Talk in an Elevator Day. So there you go. Better than yeah, it's talking in an elevator, Trey. Much well, better than Come farting. On, yeah. Yeah. Trey, lights one, Trey lights one up on a one-floor stop. Oh, no, you like, know, I, no. <laughs> I had that removed seven years ago. I can't do that anymore. <laughs> the doctor took that out seven no. years ago. I had some removed, too, and I could fart better. Let me tell you something. <laughs> no, no, no. My doctor took mine out. I fill up nine elevators. <laughs> so, all right, you, ready, you ready to feel old, Mr. Morgan? Yeah, I feel old every day. You ready me to feel too. older? Sure. All yeah. right. Getty Lee's 69 today. Oh, man. Oh, wow. Come 69. On. Rush. Rush. Uh, wow. Yeah. He's I amazing. was never a huge fan. I was never a huge fan. You know, it, he, that's one of those bands you either love or hate. Right. Know? I totally get it. I, I'm in the love column. Right. I think they're fantastic. <laughs> but. I don't know about that. I, I may disagree with you on that because I've, I I only love certain songs by them. I right. can't take their whole catalog. Yeah. So uh, it, they, they don't fall in the love-hate well, category. Know, some, of that stuff is, some of the early stuff was pretty trippy. It's like, what is going on here? I like some of like this. I like some yeah. of the commercial stuff, you know. 
you know, I'm more of a commercialized I, guy. I, right. I just spent way too much time in classic rock, and uh, I just well, like, that's the crap that's out of those true. three songs, right? Man. Right, 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 right. Here's Tom Sawyer right. once again. I, 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 I once wrote a letter to the Prime Minister of Canada suggesting that this song is be the Canadian national anthem. It should be. Yeah. It was Prime Minister Brian it's Mulroney at the time. Kind of amazing they still play it in Canada. You know, it's kind of politically incorrect to mention Tom Sawyer. Can't yeah. even say his name. Not Tom Sawyer. You I guys. don't understand. I, I I just like here we go again. Here's uh, here's Rush. <laughs> and I grew up in an era where you know dudes had Rush and Magic Marker written on the back of their of their jeans. Oh, jackets. Sean, you San Antonio I mean? is the black shirt crowd, black t-shirt crowd. San Antonio. That's it. what I've heard. Oh, San, it's, the, big time. The, the heavy metal capital of the world. It, or something truly, like that. it is. It Either really heavy is. metal bands or bands from Canada. Were, well, that's true. Huge, <laughs> huge down here. <laughs> it's I was so surprised when I learned that. Yeah, and, and so, you know, Rush has had any number of huge successes here. Didn't Titanic. they get one of their first U.S. gigs? They sure did. Here in San Antonio. Right here in San Antonio. Wow, right. And uh, people have seen them anywhere from the Sunken Gardens Theater to the old arena to the AT&T Center. They've been everywhere here. Did they play Randy's Ballroom, probably? They did. They did. That makes sense. How did you wow. know about Randy's? Did you know Randy? No, I didn't Randy know, Lund- know yeah. him, but uh, my dad had seen shows there oh, growing my God, up. Yeah. And, oh, man. They, they had, I, I remember when the Sex Pistols played yeah, Randy's what, Ballroom. The Sex that's, Pistols. That's yeah. how I learned about the, the you, establishment. Oh, yeah, Pistols man. Show. U2. The Sex I think Pistols. U2 yeah, played Randy's Ballroom. Everybody. Oh, U2 did? Was, yeah, and, and, and you know what it was, Sean? It was a dance hall. It's kind of like Cowboy. It's a smaller version right. of Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Right. And well, uh, they, right. everybody played here. Isn't it a bingo hall now or something? I'm Probably. Sure. <laughs> we'll all end up there eventually. Probably a Goodwill I, uh, Super Center. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> the only thing I it's an Amazon Rush. distribution center. <laughs> what I hear Rush, what I remember is back in the 80s in, like, uh, Baltimore, you could buy these little jars of stuff called Rush. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, man. Really? Do you know what I'm talking about, Don? You're, you're going there? Snort it. You're really going there? Rush, don't you remember little rush, little rush bottles back in the eighties? I read about them. It's poppers, yeah. popper. You just poppers. I read about like them. a quick little rush, man. <laughs> <laughs> now, let me ask you this: Is yeah, there anything? That's the you... last thing Trey Ware needs. Yeah, oh, no. believe me. You yeah. were doing rush back then. <laughs> no, I read about them one time, and I, you know, but is, is there anything you haven't done? That's my question. <laughs> Uh, heroin. I've never done heroin. Uh, fentanyl. I've never done that. Paint thinner. Well, maybe. I'm Paint not thinner, sure. Paint uh, thinner. Final net. I, I've never, uh, never hit a final net. Clorox. Uh, by, by the way. Rubbing alcohol. You know, I got close one night. But, but, but keep, you know, the, keep the top job away from him, though. Here's, here's a story for you. If you're going to Lollapalooza this weekend. Oh, God. Test your drugs, they yes. say, because you could have fentanyl on it. And they're handing out test kits at schools and libraries so you can test it. No. Oh, and they're handing out free Narcan in case you OD on fentanyl while you're there at Lollapalooza. Wow. Somebody I, can revive you with uh, with Narcan. Now, you know what's going to happen. There's what? There's some guy like Sean Rima circa 1994 going around saying, I am the drug tester, man. Yeah, probably. Let me test your crap, man. <laughs> All right. Please, go and try it out. I'm depressed. Top of the hour no, news I... break. We continue after the top of the hour. KTSA. The run. Oh, yeah. It is wearing Rima, and I, I don't know if I mentioned this or not, but it's Friday, baby. Yes, it is. Friday, Hallelujah. baby. <laughs> and you, you're doing a double stint again today, right? 
Yeah, I'm in for Jack uh, from four to seven this evening. All right, Jack's off. Uh, and and yes, He'll be and back then next this morning. Week, right? Yes. Okay. And then uh, Saturday morning, I'm sleeping in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for a long time. Hey, listen, a couple of real, just not important things, just kind of side deals. One of them is uh, one one of the nicest people in the entertainment world that I've ever met is Amy Grant. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. She's just unbelievably sweet, extremely talented. I remember when I was in Christian Radio for a couple of years, we were going to Nashville every year for a thing called the Dove Awards, and then there would be, uh, you know, we, we would go to record company events and luncheons and all that. So when her record company put on a luncheon, I mean, they, they were the biggest, and so it was incredible. And uh, they would have all of us at tables, and the artists would come, one artist would come, and they would have like one course at each table so so and so would come eat their salad and then get up and move to the next table and somebody would come eat the second course blah 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 and they would basically come over and eat and not really talk to you they would just sit down and chow down amy she wasn't there for lunch she was there for you she came around to every person's chair kneeling down next to them and would talk to you face to face eyeball to eyeball how many kids you got? What are their names? And she would remember that. So years later, you'd be talking to her, and she'd go, how are Justin and Rebecca doing? I mean, just an amazing uh, woman. Well, she is, uh, she's hospitalized. She's okay. But uh, she was in a biking accident on a bicycle a couple of days ago and has been in the hospital for a couple of days. She's in stable condition. They expect her to be released in a, in a day or two. But I just wanted to send out best wishes to Amy Grant. Yeah, she's great. I mean, I, I uh, saw her in a recent concert. It was on uh, Trinity Broadcasting Network, and I can't remember what they were doing. They were doing one of their drives or something. Or maybe, it was, I, I can't remember. It was for some special event. And uh, it was Easter. It was the Easter concert. And uh, and she was there, and I hadn't seen her perform or you know heard of her doing anything in a long time. Of course, when she was you know in the early to mid-'90s, when she kind of was you know making some crossover hits, we played her a lot, uh, and she was fantastic. She did a duet with one of the, the, the newer Christian artists, and and it was just beautiful. I mean, she's uh, she's the real dealio. You know, I've never met her, but I mean, she's uh, just uh, a great Christian artist. She really is. And she so, did, as God, you God said, with her. had uh, great crossover hits with Baby Baby and several others. Right. You know, and uh, so and she was one of those uh, out of the box artists. When I was in Christian radio, it, when you got an Amy Grant record, it went straight on the air. <laughs> you didn't even, right, you didn't right. even listen to it, man. It just went on the air because well, everything was, she did was great. There was a better part of a decade where she was it. She, yeah, was, she, was, it. The, she was the biggest right. thing going in that. Point, yeah, so. she was it. Yeah, she, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I so. mean, not many contemporary Christian artists who start. You know, they usually have these small label record label mm-hmm. deals. Mm-hmm. But she was on A and M Records. She sure was. Which, yeah. You know, I'm not sure if it still is, but it was a huge player for a long time. Well, at that time when I was in Christian radio, she was in. She was on Word and Murr. Yeah, and those uh, are the two big. Big players in, huge, the, in that field. Right? Huge. And and she was, as you say, she was towing the train for a lot of people. You know, in, in, the, in the 70s, you, you had a big change in, in Christian music. And that's when Larry Norman, a lot of the hippies and whatever, they got involved in it. Yeah, and uh, I, Chuck Gerard and guys like that got involved in Christian Larry music. Larry Norman's great. He, oh, oh, man. man. Unbelie- he was it's unbelievable. Great stuff. Uh, and and then totally just kind of transformed that world. You had my uh, my, uh, Myron Lefebvre uh, come out of um, uh, so into you Atlanta rhythm section, and uh, he he really brought a lot of contemporary sound to Christian music at that right. time. Uh, so a lot of people, and then Sandy Patty came along and all that kind of stuff. But uh, you're right, and uh, Amy was it for the longest time. 
So good for her. Well, it's true, and, and I, I mean, I think Christian radios or Christian music's come a long way just in the past few years. Uh, uh, it's really evolved with some of the newer bands, uh, you know, that I watch uh, on on Christian television because for a long time. A lot of the the popular Christian music, you know, frankly, kind of sucked. It was it was, you know, it really wasn't. It was very straight up. It really, there was no funk. <laughs> if you want to hear a no rock and roll, no real rock and roll, and a lot of the younger folks uh, just recently that I've seen on TV are, are really just up in the game, and uh, it's kind of fun to watch. Well, back so, in that time, this w- this would have been the '80s, you know, mid '80s, uh, right? I remember when this guy showed up and uh, <laughs> he came to town to do a concert, and he had the longest mullet I'd ever seen in my life—a mullet, mullet, <laughs> Stephen Curtis Chapman. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's great. <laughs> Phenomenal. But he, at that time, wow. he was just a pimple-faced kid, you know. I knew I was going to recognize the name because I was like, wait a minute, I know who he's talking about. <laughs> Stephen Curtis Chapman, man. But then I, I remember sitting over there one day in my office uh, programming KSLR, and I got a record, and I went, no. Mark Farner? Are you yeah. serious? And sure enough, Mark Grand Farner. Funk, Grand Funk Railroad. Yes, sir. Who was the uh who was the, the heavy metal Christian band that was out there in the late eighties that well, Striper they dressed Striper. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they yeah. dressed like Bumblebees. Remember that? Yeah. Sure. Oh, Striper, man, and sp- Bumblebee Spandex. Wow. What a trip in the Wayback Machine. So anyway. <laughs> There's a great documentary out there called The Jesus Music. Yes. Right. Have you seen it? Yes. Yeah, it's wonderful. I've not seen. It really that. takes it a out. deep dive into that into that format of music. So if you're a fan, right. it, it's a, worth a, what is it, an hour and a half, two hours long. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Goes way back to the late '60s, early '70s. So. Well, and they're they're putting uh, you know the Jesus movement was huge. And Sean, you sing a, a, a lot of uh, the, what was the big thing back then? The oh gosh, uh, the the musical Jesus Christ Superstar. Jesus, oh, Jesus Christ, Christ Superstar. Superstar. Yeah, right, right, right. Oh, yeah. Well, they they are completing right now um, a big big movie. And it's first class uh, on that whole Jesus freak right. thing that happened in the in the early seventies um, with Lonnie and all the people who kind of were you know they were they were the hippies of of California at the time and they were as they always are searching and seeking for for something and they found it in Jesus and it was amazing to see how that whole thing transformed and really a, a revival that swept through the country. It started with the hippies in California. It's huge. Well, and it had three major hits out of that movie. You had Norman Greenbaum. You had uh, the Doobie Brothers and Jesus is Just All Right by Me. You had Kinky Freeman, Let's Get High on Jesus. There was actually a lot of great <laughs> music that came out of the, the Jesus Freak movement. But, uh, you know, I, well, probably the most famous Jesus Freak, and I don't know how many people know this, was Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan uh, famously in the in the 70s. <laughs> You know, said I'm I'm a Christian. I'm I'm going to follow Jesus now. You know, I don't know if he stuck with it or not, but uh, you know, it was kind of interesting to see a lot of people who had railed against the establishment of the church in the '60s, and then suddenly. And I, I knew a, actually a girlfriend of mine uh, back in the '80s. Uh, her parents were Jesus freaks. They were old hippies who had converted mm-hmm. into sort of this uh, this uh, new Christianity, and uh, it's it's fascinating stuff. I'd like to. Learn more about that era. Well, if you're ever interested, check out Pastor Chuck Smith and what was going on in Costa Mesa, California, because that's where it all really began. <laughs> right. and, uh, Costa Mesa. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Costa Mesa, California. Uh, but a- Amy's fine. If you're just now tuning in, we're not memorializing her or anything. That, right. that no, no. You know, you tune in and you go, what did I miss? What happened? She f- she had a bike accident earlier in the week. She's in a hospital right now, but she's going to get out. And they say they're telling us she's going to be all right. They just kept her as a precaution. She had open-heart surgery a couple of years yeah, ago. 
for a birth defect that they didn't find until later in life. Um, Okay, now you can stop the planet. I mentioned this one earlier. You can stop the planet and let me off because I I don't want to be here anymore if Hershey's the chocolate company is now saying they're not going to have enough chocolate for uh, for Halloween and Christmas this year. Yeah, I saw that yesterday, man. Uh, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a candy crisis. Uh, uh, you thought the economy was bad. What next, man? I mean, you you know, know, am I gonna be able to still get my Reese's uh, peanut butter cups at Halloween or what? You said Reese's. I, yes. I almost thought he was saying reefer. Am I still going to be able to get my reefer? <laughs> yeah. Am I going to be able to get my reefer? If we have a reefer crisis, then we're really screwed, aren't we? Yeah. So, I just, you know, it, look, here's the deal. I, I don't know that I want to be around if there's no Hershey's chocolate. You know what I mean? I love chocolate, oh. man, especially at Halloween time, man. Oh, man. I love, we get them little miniature Reese's peanut butter cups that we give out to people. Uh-huh. And yeah, them little packs of red those, licorice. You don't give those out to people. No, he doesn't. You eat those yourself when you give out right. the red I licorice. Do. I do. Why well, do you think I'm pre-diabetic? You know, it's because of Halloween every year. I tell you what makes you happy is one of those giant Hershey bars with almonds. Now I know you can't do the almonds. I know. I understand. But the giant Hershey bar with almonds. Uh, uh, Annabelle and I can go through three or four of those in one night. Oh. Right. Wow. <laughs> I love chocolate. I love candy. I love candy. I love chocolate. Oh my God! Hey, I, I there's going to be a civil war in this country if we have a if we have a seriously. Candy crisis. I mean, how much more can we take as a people? First, we got high prices for gasoline. We've got inflation out of control right now. We're in a recession, and now you're going to throw a chocolate uh, shortage at us. How much more can we take? Stop it! Keep your powder dry, man, because, you know, we might be having a chocolate shortage here. We're all going to go crazy. We're going to be opening the window and saying, I can't take any more. <laughs> so, you know, this could be bad. This uh, could be bad. Be riding in the streets of Hershey, Pennsylvania. <laughs> um, tomorrow, Sean, uh, I've already told the boys here in Elaine that uh, the barbacoa is going to be at my house beginning at 4 a.m. tomorrow because I'll be the newest billionaire, and I will spring for barbacoa. Happy to. Tomorrow, 4 a.m. You're going to win a billion dollars, and the thing you're going to get first is barbacoa? Yeah. I thought you were going to get a private jet. Now, <laughs> no. now we've downgraded from a jet to barbacoa? No, 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 no. no. I'm going to still buy the jet. But I can't do that until 10 when the jet when the jet lot opens. That'll be at 10 o'clock tomorrow. <laughs> the jet, jet lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Red McCombs has a jet lot over on the northwest side. Yeah. Yeah. I got a little two-seater right over here you might like. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, anyway. Uh, yeah, he did try to sell me one one time. Yeah, I bet. Jet, no. a jet airplane? Yes, yes. Red McCombs try to sell you a jet yes, airplane. Yes, 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 mm-hmm. yes. How did this come up? What, what were, you <laughs> were you like, wow, Red, I really need a jet airplane. No. Um, no. Just so happens well, I have a couple out in the back. I got a couple of beauties right there in the lot. <laughs> he bought a company, and it had one, and he didn't know it had it. And so he called us, called the wares, and said, I bought this company. It's got uh, it's got a jet airplane. I didn't. I don't need it. Would you like to buy it? <laughs> no. God, what are you wow. talking about? What are you drinking? <laughs> right, right. Wow. Let me just write a check for that. <laughs> Right exactly. Now. Can on, I with test what? It? <laughs> I was supposed to buy it with my good looks. I mean, I am kind of sexy, but <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's not. He's not jet airplane sexy. That's right. <laughs> you, ain't, you ain't Elon Musk sexy. Okay. I, I'm more like Dotson. You know, give me a Dotson. <laughs> a Subaru I'm a K car sexy. Yeah. <laughs> Quick break. Late model Subaru sexy. That's, That's right. You. There you go. Yeah. Quick break. More wear and rhyme are coming up. KTSa. News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. Trey Ware, Sean, Rima, KTSA. What you got, man? I'm I'm just trying to figure out here. So in Uvalde, uh, what is it on Monday? The after this this uh, House report on uh, what went wrong in Uvalde, 
the principal of Robb Elementary is uh, suspended with pay. She writes, a, and claiming that, you know, there's a lot of safety protocols that simply were not followed at this school. She sends him a letter saying, yeah, well, you know, I, that didn't happen. Uh, everything was fine, and I need to be here to help my students. And so three days later, they just reinstate her? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, okay. <clears throat> yeah. You know, uh, I, th- there's so many things that are still murky out of Uvalde that it, it, it takes your breath away, that we're still, you know, th- these months out, still trying to kind of figure out what exactly happened and who's going to be res- held responsible. Uh, I, I don't know, if, frankly, how you continue to be the principal of that school. First off, aren't they going to destroy it? They're they're going to take it to the gr- down to the ground at that, some point. That, that physical uh, that physical plant, but they're going to have another school elsewhere, so, right? Yeah. So they're just going to keep her on after uh, suspending her. You know, I, I I I that to me just seems weird. Not well, that I know her or I know anything about her or whatever, but uh, to to suspend her and then three days later. No. The reinstater? It's very, very weird the way the whole thing is happening, right? So right. It, this is just adding to the weirdness of all of it. Um, and the, the way I'm – this is – just being perfectly honest, the way it's starting to develop in my mind, the people of Uvalde just want to blame guns. Uh, they don't – they're not interested in, in getting to the truth. They're not interested in getting to what who actually screwed up. We could see it on video. We saw clearly, right. uh, you know, on video what happened. Dude walks in the building because the door was unlocked. He shot a bunch of kids, and he shot a couple of teachers. And the police, uh, 300 and some odd uh, police officers, stood around and didn't do anything to stop him. And they could have stopped him outside, and then they certainly could have stopped him three minutes into the deal. And for whatever reason, whether it was a stand-down order or whatever, they didn't uh, stop the guy and let him continue on for uh, over an hour doing what he did. We saw it all on video. We we read the 77-page report from, from the Texas legislature, so we know basically what happened. Uh, but as far as I can tell, Uvalde's more interested in saying it's the gun's fault. we got to go after the gun. we got to get the gun. we got to have the governor. That, to, to me, they're starting to get involved in the political aspect of this and the governor's race and try to you know go against Abbott on this when that has nothing, absolutely nothing to do with it. So I'm, I'm, I'm about to wash my hands of the whole thing and just give up on them. I really am. Well, I, I, you know, it's, it is fascinating because the one thing we have to accept also is that this is very different than a lot of these spree killings where they do go in and the person's taken out within minutes and it never goes on this long. This is the first time when you really have a reaction to a spree killer that is controversial. And I don't know to what extent we are talking about a very small town where pretty much everybody knows everybody to a certain, yep. certain extent. Uh, this is the kind of thing that could absolutely rip that town apart. Uh, and I wonder if there isn't some sense of we have to survive this. And uh, uh, maybe that's why there's a uh, – because you, you, certainly not everybody in Uvalde believes it's the guns. But maybe by going with that sort of typical rhetoric, it, it maybe there's a sense of, uh, well, how do we save our town? How do we continue to live with each other? Maybe uh, maybe that plays into it, even subconsciously. I don't know. Well, may but... I suggest to the people of Uvalde, <laughs> the only way you're going to be able to do that is the truth. As the Bible says, the truth will set you free. And so you've got to deal with the truth, and you can't circle the wagons and say, we're going to protect our own. We have to deal with the truth as it is so that we can move forward. And I thought it was you know, uh, pretty incredible. Whether you want to call it divine or not, I, 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 I'm not going there. But what, it is pretty incredible that just 
uh, you know, a couple of months after that, we have a guy in a mall in Indiana that ends one in 15 seconds, and he's not a cop. He's a 22-year-old who's carrying a sidearm because he's got constitutional carry, which was put in place by Mike Pence, by the way, when he was governor of Indiana. And uh, and he had the ability to, to shoot a guy that was in a mall trying to take out a bunch of people before he killed a bunch of people. And, and kind of an example of how it's supposed to be done. He's showing the police of Uvalde and the, it, it, where are those all those you know responding agencies down there. He's showing them this is what you do. This is how you do it. Yeah, we were we were talking about that last week. You know, this is a 22 year old kid who had no law enforcement experience, no military experience. I mean, obviously he had some kind of training that he had opted for, but uh, well, actually we still don't know. And yeah, within seconds, and they say tactically he did everything right. Uh, he started firing at the target. He started moving towards the target while firing, so his aim would get better. And he's telling people as it's going on, "Get behind me!" Uh, wow. You know, because this guy, that guy, had a hundred rounds stashed in that bathroom. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, and I, we were talking about that last week about like compare and contrast what this kid did with no official training and what they did not, do. and what they didn't do with all the training in the world. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that's just absolutely amazing. And 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 as we've said many times, it's so hard when you are in that situation because your adrenaline is flying, man. It's running hard, and you and for him to be able to go, okay. I'm just, you know, I'm going to have ice flowing through my veins, and I'm going to move toward this guy. That's exactly how you do it. You couldn't have done it any more textbook than what he did. Perfectly. Right. Yeah. So given that that happened recently, while we're still kind of trying to figure out what happened in Uvalde, it just makes Uvalde seem even worse. Right. So, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm sure that it's not the entire town. There's folks there that are just as pissed off about all the misinformation and all the stuff that went wrong on that day. Uh, I just, you know, again, I just kind of hope the town survives this because uh, this is this is no little thing in that place. Oh, and no. these are people who have to live, that, who have to go to the store together, yep. who have to go to church together, who have to live life together and continue on. So, uh, you know, God, God, God be with them. So I, I hope this is kind of an official thing and not, you know, the town, so to speak. <laughs> right. But certainly they're jumping well, that's what on I the, the bandwagon it's, it's of, not the whole uh, of, of the gun thing. Right, the gun thing, they're, they're certainly jumping on that. No, so. That's what I meant. It's the officials who are circling the wagons and, and pointing fingers everywhere and pointing fingers, quite frankly, at the guns. All right, Tim Schultz won $28 million back in 1999 playing, uh, playing Iowa Powerball. And now he is sounding off for whoever wins tonight. That would be me. He said... Uh, <laughs> It's going to be me. It's going to be me. He says, uh, where you live, who surrounds you, who your friends are, and how much you can win are all factors. For myself, initially, it was extremely exhilarating. But once that wears off, and it does wear off, you are still yourself. He says the lottery doesn't change who you are. It just magnifies your personality and your ability to do what you do. He said it wasn't easy having such a huge life event happen. He said, once that exhilaration wears off, I was still extremely grateful for this life-changing win. I never, ever take it for granted, but there are some things that I needed to learn. Sense of isolation. He said, none of my peers or family or my friends had won the lottery. I was 21 at the time. Jeez. He said, I felt like an outcast. If I wanted to go on vacation, I had to pay for other people to go with me. Oh, man. Right. <laughs> he said, I learned that wow. the lottery can buy you time with others. and It's invaluable. Winning can be very, very positive. 
I'm the same person I was before winning. I never loved material possessions, so I felt pretty level-headed and laid back about it. I, you know, I'm the same way. We were talking about that earlier. I, I am a guy who I, I, it's just really hard for me to spend money. I just don't like to spend money, big big amounts of money. I just don't. And so, right. So if I won this, I don't, I don't, I, I just can't imagine that I'd start going to spending. Maybe I would. Who knows? Who knows what you'd do? I'd want to travel. I mean, I think first and foremost, first after paying everything off, you know, for I think that that's the first thing you do is you pay everything off, right? Uh, and then uh, I don't know. I'd like to just travel. <laughs> Where do you want to go? <laughs> Take my wife. Uh, and I've always wanted to drive across country. I, I have did it. I've done it mostly. Yeah. But to honestly, take like about six months or a year and just travel the country. I'd love to do that. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to see Ireland yep. uh, and take my wife out there and and see Europe and uh, just uh, just see some of the world. You know, just uh, I think that's probably what I'd do. Well, you know, I just got back from Alaska and we're putting together another Alaska cruise for next year. Gonna absolutely right. going back up there. So maybe you, you guys can come with us or something. But um, I, I have a friend that is a motorcycle guy. He started and check this out. You'd love this. He started in his on his motorcycle in Miami, Florida. Went all the way up the country, all the way to Alaska on his motorcycle, and then wow. all the way back to Texas. Took him like three months uh, to do right. it. But all he had was a bedroll on the back of the motorcycle, and he would sleep in these parks and whatever. Right. And rode his motorcycle that entire way. That's badass. Isn't that man. awesome? Well, the the thing about traveling this country, I've, just from my travels, I've, I've, I've learned this, and that each state really is its own country. Sure. Uh, even geographically, mm-hmm. uh, t- from a topography standpoint, you know, and so the best thing you can do, and I always tell people this who who have very definite opinions about things, uh, you know, uh, well, you know, have you been west of the Mason-Dixon line? You know, right. <laughs> you, you, before you start bitching about America, maybe you should get to know her a little. Mm-hmm. And one of the best ways to do that is just to ride around. And I, uh, one of the best things I ever did was pull up stakes in Maryland and just point the hood of a of a of a U-Haul sure uh to Colorado and then uh Texas and then uh you know I've been to California and all that stuff and yep. it's just you learn to appreciate this country the more of it you see done that myself uh, I believe. And absolutely yeah. love it all right quick break for the news back in a minute where Rima KTSA hey 38 it's friday it's where in rhyme 550 ktsa fm 1071 so this is um it's a troubling thing that we see going on with the farmland in our country sean and and um it, 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 I, I think it's it, it's not going to be a good deal for the american people first of all uh, chip roy is now starting to talk about this he introduced last year a resolution house resolution securing america's land from foreign interference act basically what's going on You've got a bunch of foreign interests. One of them is China that is buying up hundreds of thousands of acres of land, farmland in America. Uh, It was announced this week that China just bought 200,000 acres in North Dakota right by a very significant Air Force base. And, uh, you know, they're going to be listening to communications coming in and out of that Air Force base in in North Dakota because China is going to be right next door. But you also have this American Prairie Conservation Project in Montana. They just recently bought 450,000 acres of land. Now, they have people who are donating to this project who are from other countries. But we have no idea who they are. They could be George Soros. They could be more China. They could be whatever. So between China, between groups like this and, and Bill Gates, all the farmland is being bought up 
to be set aside. In fact, this 450,000 acres that this organization just bought, is they're not going to farm it, and they're going to take the cattle off of it. So what does that mean for us? We need food, right? We need food. Well, it's a little frightening. And I, I, you, you actually were one of the first people talking about this a few months ago, that you had noticed Bill Gates was starting to buy up a lot of farmland. Uh, I, I don't know what's at play here, but the fact that we're allowing China to buy up this much of American territory is frightening to me. Uh, what are their plans? You know, what what do they intend to do with this, with all this land? I mean, I think that's what I miss most about Donald. One of the things I miss most about Donald Trump, yes, is that he truly realized what a threat China was. Yeah, and he'd been talking about that for about twenty years uh, before he became president. So one has to wonder what Trump would have done if China had started buying up all this farmland while he was in the Oval Office. Maybe they wouldn't have even tried. I don't know. But it's really freaking troubling because, again, you've got countries that we don't even know. You've got China. You've got Bill Gates. Why the sudden obsession with with, uh, American farmland? Uh, uh, It feels like somebody wants to control the food supply. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because if you control the energy and you control the food, then you control the people. Well, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And Christy Noem said last week, she said, my daddy told me, don't sell off all your land because God ain't making no more of it. (laughs) Well, that's true. There ain't no more coming, man. The earth ain't expanding. So once it's gone, you know, I, I'm just, I, it doesn't, it seems to me you wouldn't have to allow for that. I mean, uh, you know, so I, I don't, I don't get it. It's frightening. And, and uh, you, you talk about this patch of land in North Dakota that's near, an, uh, near a military base. And then, and they're also, aren't they also getting cozy with uh, South America and uh, oh, yeah. wanting to uh, buy up property there and set up, you know, military bases there? This, the chess pieces are lining up for something really, really bad to happen. It really I, I does seem that way. On Friday, no, no, but, no, it, but it does seem that way because you, you know, if if you don't own your own property, the people who own the property can tell you what you, you what you have to do. Particularly when they control the money, the uh, the, the food supply, and, uh, and 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 they're specifically this one group. It's a conservation group, is what they call themselves. Yeah, whatever. They're right. specifically saying they're not going to farm this land, and they're taking right. the cattle off that land. And Montana is the number one beef producer in america that's where we get most of the cattle for the country yeah no it's it's scary it's seriously scary stuff and i don't think people are paying as much attention to this story as they should be uh you know you get the big shiny object in front of you whatever it may be at any given moment this week it's oddly been climate change uh you know whether it's ukraine the border the, the economy is always front and center but this this story is kind of creeping under the radar and it's creeping up on people and creeping up on America, and uh, you know it's 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 a scary thought that we are allowing this many outside folks and even an individual to to buy up this much land because you know what we're already losing territory in the south That's because right. of the border border uh, situation. That's right. And remember what Khrushchev said: "We'll take you over without firing a shot." Well, maybe we'll just buy up all the land. Right, so well, what's going then we'll on. just own you one day, and, and you won't even realize it. it. You know, I mean, China owns uh, many of the big buildings in New York and in Chicago sure. and places like they've already bought all that stuff. Empire State right. Building, you know? yeah, <laughs> so. right. And nobody's paying attention. No. You know, they, they they look at the like I said, you know, they, they look at this phone call with Biden the other day that was two hours and what fourteen, seventeen minutes yeah. long, right? Where he says, "Don't play with fire," meaning Taiwan and this Pelosi trip and all that stuff. 
and uh, people focus on that. But you know, it, 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 you know, and, and it, I, I'm not a magician, but I know enough about showbiz that there's a thing called distraction, sure, where you get them to look at one hand while the other hand is doing something completely different. Mm-hmm. And most people don't really pay attention too closely to stuff, honestly. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, here's the uh, the back and forth with the president over over a, a visit to Taiwan, which in the great scheme of things doesn't really mean a whole lot. But, you know, behind the scenes, they're buying up all our farmland. That's it. Man. That's it. <laughs> and if you can't Why? get your own tomatoes and potatoes, then you in trouble. All right. So we can get off that. But I I don't know if you have something else on your plate you want to bring up here before the break. Well, just I, I brought this up yesterday or last night on the Riccardi show uh-huh. that, uh, uh, you know, you look at what is expected of America along the border. You know, what do you hear about dreamers and migrants and borders are racist and, uh, you know, come in here and, li- you know, you don't have to acclimate. You can just come here and start making money. We'll give you free stuff. And that's what's expected of America. Uh, I saw this story on Fox about uh, out of the L.A. Times on Mexico City. And how, you know, you got about a million folks, million Americans living in Mexico. And in Mexico City, you got so many Californians and Americans coming to live there that they're starting to put out flyers saying, new to the city, working remotely, you're a blanking plague, and the locals blanking hate you, leave. Could you imagine if any, if in any American city where you had a whole bunch of folks coming across the southern border, if, if, if you started reacting that way? <laughs> you know they they oh my god the, it would be global news that the america is every bit as racist as we thought they were but when you when you go when you're a whitey a, a cracker from california and you go live in mexico city you're an effing plague and you should leave you know it, it's just the the, the the two different uh there's a dichotomy to explore there you know because we also know that going into mexico the immigration laws are much more strict than our own Right, I mean, mm-hmm. you would know this. They if you get caught them. in Mexico and you're not there illegally, they'll put you in jail. You know, they'll put you in jail. Well, you go to jail. Yeah. But coming this way, the fact that we even have a border is racist. Well, and here's the other thing that they're doing. Uh, you're absolutely right about the whole the the fire and everything. But they're really mad because the Americans who are down in Mexico Spitty, City Spitty <laughs> Mexico Spitty they are they're speaking English. Right, and so the Mexicans are saying, yes, the Mexicans are saying, "Hey, if you're going to come live here, you better learn Spanish. You can't be speaking English here." Now, wait just a damn minute. <laughs> They're just fine with Mexicans or whoever coming up here and never having to learn the English language, and right. us having to press one or two on our stinking phones for Spanish versus English. They're 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 perfectly fine with that but if we go down there to mexico city and speak english oh no you speak spanish when you're here i don't right. think so I don't a little think hypocritical so. there yeah, man just yeah. a smidge <laughs> and i love by the way i love mexico and i love the mexican people i go all the time but that's the that's that's the mindset of those people that you're talking about that want no why do you hear why do you go home? right yeah exactly. right it's it's a little silly mm-hmm. <laughs> just a smidge just mm-hmm. a little Anyway, that's all I got. We'll get, <laughs> we'll get silly after the break. Coming right back. More Wearing Rhyme next on KTSA.